Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at some accounts in the Bible of how um, people have responded in times of challenge. Just a couple of stories, uh, two or three stories. Uh, and the first one I want to talk about is a situation that Paul the Apostle found him in. And it's very likely that you've heard of Paul the Apostle. He was a passionate enemy of Christians, uh, persecuted Christians, but he had a powerful encounter with Jesus that turned him from persecuting them to becoming a passionate, articulate, uh, empowered evangelist, a church planter, apostle, and a missionary for Jesus. So he was, uh, he was quite the guy. But we hear of this account in when he's in Philippi, which is near a place today, which is called Kavala, uh, which is on the just near the coast of Kavala's on the coast. Philippi is just like maybe four or five kilometers inland, on northern Greece in the. Uh, just off the Aegean Sea, the very northern part of the Aegean Sea there, just as Greece kind of curls around towards Turkey there. That's where Philippi is. And he has arrived in Philippi. And so that area is Europe. Up until then, he'd been in what was known as Asia. And uh, he had come across into, I'm just stopping for a minute here because I'm very aware that my chair's doing a bit of a creak and so I'm just thinking like should I keep going yeah I'll, I'll keep going but I do apologize if you get a creaky chair okay all right see can you hear that maybe not I can hear it. it's a bit distracting for me hope it's not distracting for you well it's distracting for you now because we've all gone there anyway here we go so he's in Philippi and there's this account in Acts 16 where we read about a slave girl who has an evil spirit affecting her, which somehow gives her the ability to predict the future. And I mean, that's a whole other thing to unpack right there, how that works. But but her owners were making a lot of money from this. And and Paul and some friends of his had gone over to Philippi to uh, to talk about Jesus, to share the gospel. And a number had become Christians. But as they were going, and they went each day to uh, a place to pray. And it seems like every day leading up to this event, this, they had gone past this, uh, this slave girl, and as they went past, this girl would call out, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. I mean, if you went somewhere and someone you walked past and someone yelled out and said, You are the Son of the Most High God telling us the way to be saved, you'd be maybe a little bit flattered about that and, you know, think like, Oh, obviously see something in me, something, you know, deeply spiritual and holy. Um, but for Paul, he just got irritated with it. And so after a few days, uh, his irritation got the better of him and he eventually lost his cool. And he turns around and says to the girl, to the evil spirit, come out of her. And this evil spirit does, it leaves. And, and then what happens is that the slave girl's owners instead of thinking, oh, this is great that this girl has been freed from this, uh, this evil spirit, 
they're like, oh no, there goes our income making ability through this girl. They get angry, so they grab Paul and Silas, and they drag them into the center of the town to face the authorities. They throw them before the magistrates, say that these guys are causing trouble, that, you know, like, like sort them out. And uh, the magistrates ordered that they get stripped, beaten with rods and thrown in jail. And, uh, and it, says that, uh, it says that after they were severely flogged, like this is not just a whack. This is, this is not like when you got the cane at school. After they were severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and their feet fastened with stocks. Really bad situation. So what did Paul and Silas do? Well, Silas, he just, he just curled up in a fetal position and started sucking his thumb. And, and Paul just, uh, he, he just thought, this is no good. God can't be real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not, not believe in God anymore. No, that's not what they did. That's not what they did. Here's what they did. Like, and this is with the humiliation of being stripped, the pain of a severe flogging, and the loss of freedom. They're in jail. Their feet are in stocks. And then we read this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were worshipping. In the midst of, I can't imagine the pain, but they're imprisoned. They've lost their freedom. They're worshipping God. Now, they didn't know what was coming, what was ahead, what God would do on the back of this situation. But they worshipped. They worshipped because they knew that God was good and that even in the toughest times, the, the thing to do was just to be before God and worship Him. And in this instance, as they were worshipping, the account says that the ground shook, the prison gates flew open, everyone, everyone's chains fell off. The jailer woke up, which he's obviously not the best jailer. He's obviously sleeping on the job, but he's, he wakes up not know what's happening, sees the gates open and thinks, oh no, I'm in big trouble. Thought that everyone escaped. But Paul calls out, we're here, we're here. And then Paul had the opportunity to talk to the jailer about Jesus and he, and he believed in God. And then in the middle of the night, again, not the greatest of jailers, but in the middle of the night, he takes Paul and Silas to his house, washes their wounds, and then he and his whole household got baptized that night. And then he takes them back to jail and they hear in the morning that they are to be released. Paul, in a tough situation, he worships. Let me tell you another story. King David, and these are not just unique stories. Uh, that you see this all throughout the scripture. But King David, it's, it's the end of the account uh, of David's biggest moral failure in his life. And you can read about it in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. A terrible sexual sin and betrayal. But without going to the story, as a result, David's new baby son falls very ill. And David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted, he slept on sackcloth on the ground for seven days, and then the baby dies. And when David was told, he surprised everyone with his response. He got up and showered, put on fresh clothes, and he went to the house of the Lord and he worshipped. Even though there was shame because of what he had done and there was grief because his son had died, he goes to the place that is his rock, his strong tower. He comes before God and he worships. 
Let's jump forward again to the book of Acts, which is the story of the, uh, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It's everything that happened in uh, years following uh, Jesus' death and resurrection and the start of, the, of the, the Christian church. And we see that the whole story of the early church was that Christians were together praying and worshipping. And then they went into their day and God was with them through thick or thin. We see that right throughout. Read through the, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. It's an incredible uh, highlight reel of the, uh, the cool things that God did through people at the start of the, of the church. The last person I want to introduce you to you today is John the Apostle. And John was one of Jesus' three best friends out of his disciples. And John probably lived the longest out of all of the disciples that were with Jesus. Many of the disciples, the 12 that were with him, were martyred for their faith. Um, it's most likely that John moved to Ephesus, which is in western Turkey, and... Uh, most likely that Jesus' mother Mary was with John um, for the rest of uh, her life after the resurrection of Jesus. And, uh, and John also pastored the church there in Ephesus. So um, a growing church that was started initially by a guy called Apollos, and then Paul came in and added to their understanding and really established the church there. So it was a significant church in, uh, in Ephesus there. And again, it's just uh, uh, on that western side of, of Turkey there. Now, John, he's the guy that wrote the Gospel of John, the story of Jesus. Um, he wrote that, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life. And he wrote three short letters of encouragement to the churches and that are in our Bible as well. And he, uh, he wrote the book of Revelation, which we'll hear a little bit more about shortly. Um, but in Ephesus, there comes a point where things go bad for John. And he gets arrested in a persecution campaign by the Roman Emperor uh, Domitian. Arrested for sharing his faith. And exiled to a small island called Patmos, which is about 40 kilometers, uh, again, off the western coast of Turkey. It's just in the Aegean Sea there. And it was an island where many criminals were sent. There was a number of them out there that they were sent to and they were forced to work in the mines and just a tough situation. And we read at the start of the book of Revelation, we read that on the Lord's day, John was in the spirit. He was worshipping. He was worshipping. And seeking God and spending time with the Saviour and and it is in this place of worship that he receives this remarkable revelation, which is now in our scriptures as the book of Revelation. Hard book to understand. Uh, we may do a, a series on the book of Revelation sometime, but uh, um, a lot of people think that they've got it all figured out and everyone thinks something different from everyone else. So anyway, interesting that John's not there. He's not worshipping God to get the revelation. He didn't know that that was coming. He worships because he's wanting to sow into his relationship with God and gives his praise and worship and his affection and his situation to God. You know, he's, he's lost his job, but he's worshipping. He's lost his income, but he's worshipping. He's lost his church, but he's worshipping. He's 
lost his friends, his community, he's lost his freedom, but nothing can shut down his worship and his love of God. On the Lord's day, he lifts up his voice to the one who gives him breath and life. So, friends, wherever we are, we can worship. We can worship. If we, if we need to go to work because we're an essential worker or as lockdown comes off, we have to go back to work again. When we drive there, we can worship. If we're at home, I know the house is full of your, everyone that's in your bubble and kids can be uh, very uh, time-consuming when they're at home all day, every day. But we can carve out a little bit of space to worship. And uh, John, even though he wasn't with his church, he worshipped. And I know that in times where there are difficulties, we often want to become fixers. I'm like that. I'm white like that. I don't know about you. Uh, I want to become a fixer. And like, it's good to fix things. But God's primary call for us is not to be fixers, but to be worshippers. I love this quote by Eugene Peterson. He's one of my heroes in the faith, pastor and scholar and author. And he says this, We move from being consumers of the good times to fixers of the bad times. But we are not consumers we are not fixers, we are worshippers. Good times or bad times, it makes no difference to our identity, our being the children of God, no difference at all to our calling. You know, we are worshippers. So, you know, we can put worship on in our house, we can put it on in our car while we're driving, we can sing along with worship from our Sunday services that are all on YouTube now and um, all the church. Uh, Spotify playlists. We can, we can, if even if we're stuck at home as we're walking to the letterbox, maybe, or just having a walk outside if we can, you know, out on the the balcony, or we can look around and just enjoy the the beauty of God's creation, the trees, the sky, the wherever we are, and we can worship. We can worship. Um, you know. I don't know if this has happened to you, but like for me, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm just like thinking, like, did I just dream that like we're in a lockdown thing and there's a global pandemic? And did I just watch a a movie that was a bit too full on last night? And and now I was just dreaming about it and I've woken up and it was all just an, uh, something that isn't real. Well, and then you realise, no, it is real. <laughs> it it is real. We are locked down, and um, well. You know, the thing is that we, we don't worship God to, to try and escape the real world. We worship God to step into the real world. We worship God to step in to the place where God has everything in his hands and where the reality of everything is created, we have access to and we step into. You know, the seen world is, to many of us, seems like everything. It seems like the real world, but the unseen world, there is so much more, and that is the space where, uh, where God is at work in so many ways. And as we worship, we get introduced to that, to that real world. We're reminded that not all that we see is all that there is, that there is something greater, someone greater, the Almighty God. We make a, 
we make a declaration. You know, we're joining with the saints all around the world, both today and throughout history. We're joining with them and responding to God in worship, in good times and in trials and tribulations. And that's what happened with John, is that he gave God his attention. He came and gave himself to God. And then out of that, God gave him fresh insight, fresh kingdom perspective for his situation. And we can step into that and see what God speaks into our hearts as well. So let's worship. Let's be worshipers. We've had the opportunity to worship today uh, together. But let's be worshippers today, tomorrow, and the next day because this is the calling and the place where we can step into the real world. Our, our greatest response in this time of challenge is not to fix our community, although it's great to do what we can, but the greatest response is to remember who we are and whose we are and not let the things around us define who we are. Let me just finish up with this. You know, the reason that people turn to God and worship in turbulent times is that they had cultivated a lifestyle of worship and had learned to find their peace and their rest and their hope and their joy in God. And you might say, oh, you know, man, I, I tried that once and it didn't really work for me. So, like, like I know that's for some, but it's, it's not for me. Can, can I just throw out two things for you this morning? One is that, well, first of all, Worshipping God, it's not actually about you. It's about orientating your head and heart in a way that aligns with spiritual reality. It aligns with God, the Creator, the King, the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful Creator God who loves us and is inviting us to surrender our lives to Him and into His precious care. And that is worthy of our worship. That is worthy of saying, God, you're amazing. God, thank you. God, I give my life to you. I, I tuck under your care and your leading and your authority. I worship you. And the second thing I'd like to say is that who we are becoming is the product of the little things that we do each day. I've been reading a great book called uh, Atomic Habits, and we'll probably throw a slide up for that. That and highly recommended, by the way. Um, that tells us that we are just the product of our habits, and but inviting us to say, you know, if one percent change done regularly will lead to a radically changed life. Just one percent change done regularly will lead to a radically changed life. When I read this book, all it did to me was just stir up my. Uh, my passion and my desire again to be a worshiper and to be a prayer and to be one who knows God and walks with God. But that is, that is why these people that we've looked at turn to God in the face of adversity. It's because that's the way that they live in the good times and in the hard times is that they orientate their lives towards the worship of God. And God has met them there in the good times and in the hard times, and they have developed this deep confidence that whatever comes my way, I can step into this place of being with God and worshiping God, and, and He will meet with me there with His love, His peace, His, His deep joy, even though times are hard, and His 
freedom, His presence, and His goodness. So the invitation is for us all in turbulent times is not to think that God has given up on us or that He doesn't exist, but it's to turn into Him and to find our help comes from the Maker of heaven and earth. You know, next week we're going to, uh, hopefully, hopefully this week coming, we're going to celebrate coming out of lockdown um, and going to level three, uh, whatever that means. Um, but next Sunday, to celebrate um, coming out of what we hope is coming out of lockdown, we're going to be starting a new series. We're going to be starting it whether we're out of lockdown or not, but a new series called Going Deeper. And it's all about deepening our life as God's people and people who know God and walk with God, experiencing more of His presence and His love and His power. I mean, doesn't, doesn't that sound good? Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. So don't miss these messages and encourage you to invite others to, to live stream with us. Um, we are going to share some things that I'm telling you have the potential to change your life for good. And that's money back guarantee. How's that? Um, anyway, that's us for today. I Take these words away and, and ponder them. Let them settle in your heart. And uh, look, I'm just going to pray now and, uh, and then I'm just going to be quiet for just a minute or two and can I encourage you to um, to just to be open to God it's just an opportunity it's always good to hear words that uh, stir your heart but often it's good just to be able to stop take a breath and go God what are you speaking to me about today so let's just take some time to do that and uh, once um, that time is done I will um, we'll move on to the next thing Let's pray. So God, we just invite you now. Come with your spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, and that you'd speak to our hearts. God, what is it that you have got for me today from these words, from these uh, examples of people who have known you and loved you and walked with you? God, what is it that you are wanting to land in my heart this morning? So we, we invite you to speak to us now just in this quiet moment. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.